0: I mean, I know we're not allowed anymore to say there's differences between men and women. The fact that there are differences are not weaknesses, they're strengths. And I never understood why feminists, for all their celebration of women, always posited the male model of career and sexual drive as the model women. And now it's changed and maleness is like toxic masculinity and everything that is female is good whether you believe in God or spirituality, but there is a great yin-yang in masculinity and femininity when it works. The sexes really balance each other in a beautiful way. I wouldn't want my husband to be more effeminate, and I don't think he would want me to be more masculine, but we each have our strengths in our different sexes, and it's worked so long as we don't get insecure about them.
1: Your lifelong passions, dreams, and aspirations. Your joys and creative spurs. Your femininity. Your success. All in one place. This is Girl Skill with your host, Anna Rova. Hi ladies. So before I let you listen to another awesome episode on Girl Skill Podcast, I want to share with you some very, very exciting news. Something that I've been working on for the last couple of weeks. Well, actually, in fact, for the last couple of years. <laughs> and this is a video training, a one hour, actually 75 minute video training that is called The Lie of Female Success and How It's Keeping You Stuck, Unfulfilled and Draining, Redefining Femininity Work and Play with Anna Rova, aka me. You can sign up for this training at www.girlskill.com webinar. Again, it's girlskill.com webinar. And this is really my life's work, so to say. What you will hear in this training is actually everything that I've discovered through my own personal journey, as well as reading tons of books and going through courses and, and ju- just really being on a quest to define what femininity is, together with masculinity and a lot of things, what are the problems we're dealing with and how we as women can redefine our version of success and how we honestly live in a lie of female success. And this is not only my personal experience, but also the experience of many women I've worked with who went through my trainings and thousands and thousands of discussions that I have with women all over the world, as well as men. As you know, I've interviewed men as well. So what you learn in this training, again, you can go to girlskill.com webinar. Here's the things you'll learn. The modern female epidemic that's keeping women confined, unhappy and fulfilled and unfulfilled. Where the journey to success actually begins and how did we all get here? The essential forgotten element to any woman's successful life. The secret to attracting, sustaining and magnifying the relationship that you want. The true power and definition of femininity and masculinity and the number one reason for feeling numb, stuck in your head and socially asleep. And really... In these six things that I mentioned, I will share with you, and this encompasses everything I know, how I went from being numb, disconnected, anxious, constantly in this hurry, and trying to do it all, to actually being deeply connected to myself as a woman. Understanding what true femininity is, embracing my feminine cycle, being more relaxed and joyful. Traveling the world, rediscovering my own version of success and doing something that I love. Understanding men and rediscovering men and attracting a creative and amazing relationship with my husband and ultimately, you know, creating a family. And I believe truly that the result of this work has brought me to where I am today in my relationship, in my marriage and also in getting pregnant. (laughs) Reconnecting to my body cultivating a sense of awareness and pleasure and feeling more without apologizing for it, making decisions from the heart, starting to do less, feeling alive and radiant, and finally, realizing that femininity is great power that is deeply misunderstood by the world and women themselves. So if this resonates with you, girlfriend, go to girlskill.com slash webinar, sign up for the webinar, and I can't wait for you to watch it. All right, girlfriends, welcome to another amazing episode of Girl Skill Podcast. I am so excited uh, to present to you my guest, Danielle crittenden From. She is the co-host of the FemSplainers podcast, one of my favorite podcasts where I get my daily news or not daily, maybe weekly politics and gender, sex battle news and whatever. They're fun. And her co-founder is Christina Hoff Summers. And if you don't know these women, you definitely should. And I know you're listening to the podcast, so you should definitely check out FemSplainers. And I've been chasing this two women for a while now. And finally, I got them on the podcast. And so who is Danielle? Let me read you her, her bio, not, not the whole thing, because there's a lot to talk about, to read. But okay, so Danielle has served in an executive capacity for the Huffington Post Media Group. She was recruited by Ariana Huffington to build and run the blog rail when HuffPost launched its Canadian edition 2011. From there, she became international blog editor of HPMG, developing and coordinating blog content with all international editors before leaving to found fig tree and vine in 2014. I think this was one of her businesses, which might not be active anymore. A longtime contributor to Huffington Post, her numerous articles and essays have appeared in The Wall Street Journal, New York Times, The Washington Post, Daily Telegraph, among other publications. A former columnist for The New York Post, she's appeared on NBC's Today Show, The O'Reilly Factor, and many, many others. She's the co-author of the cookbook from Polish Country House Kitchen, with Pulitzer Prize winning historian. Anne Applebaum and the author of three previous books. Her nonfiction book, What Our Mothers Didn't Tell Us, Why Happiness Eludes the Modern Woman, which we discussed in the interview, which I loved and resonated. But she's written it 20 years ago. And that resulted in Vanity Fair describing Crittenden as one of the most important new thinkers about women and family. This was 20 years ago. She also has written two works of fiction, The President's Secret I Am's and Amanda Bright at Home, which I will be reading very soon. This Mm -hmm. is a novel. The first novel, ever to be serialized by the Wall Street Journal. She was born in Toronto, Canada. She's married to a journalist and author, David Frum, a former special assistant and speechwriter to President George W. Bush, a senior editor at The Atlantic. They have three children and they live in Washington and also Wellington, Ontario. So after this amazing biography, we, we talked about so much and she's, she's a different kind of woman because you know, I, I normally like you see my guests as being a spiritual and vagina painting and, you know, aligning your menstrual cycle. But if you're listening to this podcast, I know you're a woman who is not only spiritual, but also down to earth and very practical like me. So that's why I relate a lot to you know Danielle and Christina and what they talked about and when I discovered their podcast I really felt relief as you'll hear me talk because there are women out there who are you know writers journalists they are women of the intellectual uh, blonde web so to say they've interviewed Jordan Peterson and then Sam Harris and Tina Brown and all these people that are really at the forefront of the intellectual dark web so to say and and a lot of these women are powerhouses but they also are femsplainers which means they support this view of not bashing men and a different kind of the feminism so to say which i associate with a lot and so uh what we talked about with her with danielle is i mean the usual thing like you know i ask a bunch of questions about femininity success and her whole idea we, we discussed the book at large and two most important ideas that we discussed of why children like motherhood and career are so controversial and and how to do it all and all of that and how actually the aspirations of women have not changed for a long time we still want family we're still fulfilled by family life and our children, and that career is not everything to us, which I highly resonate with. And after I had my baby, that totally put everything in its places. We talk about sex as well. Uh, But before that, of course, we talk about femininity. And I was very curious about what Danielle had to say, because a lot of the guests here, they talk about more of a, you know, David Data polarity, you know, feminine essence, masculine essence. But Danielle gave us a more practical definition of that which was beautiful. And we talk about sex and how sex has become something like a commodity that women now it's much easier now to have sex and go for a coffee where she says you know young women today say that going for a coffee is more intimate than having sex like what so we talked about that and of course you know where does this whole anti-male rhetoric come from and the mistrust between the sexes and where we find ourselves today and we got we got interrupted in the middle or towards the end of the interview unfortunately we couldn't record it but i jump in and tell you more I'll tell you about what what you have miss because it was very important and i felt that it was amazing that danielle actually said you know unapologetically that the choice of the of your spouse for men and for women is the most important decision of your life so that was transformational and out there controversial and at the end of course we talk about timesplainers and what it means and why we both encourage you to listen to it all right well stay until the end fascinating conversation i'm super happy to have danielle uh, on the podcast and uh yeah i'll see you at the end of this episode Girl Skill. Female success. Redefined. Hi, Girl Skill listeners. Today we have a super, super special guest. I know I say it every single time, but she is very super and she is the intellectual blonde web. One of the leaders, I would say, or a very important figure. Danielle Critton from all the way from Washington. Hello, Danielle. Welcome. Hi, Anna. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. You know, I posted on Facebook yesterday. I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, my two best, you know, f- feminist crushes. I, <laughs> I guess I just labeled it that way. But you truly are. And I'm listening Thank to your you. Femesplainers podcast with Christina Hoff Summers. And, you know, I found your work and your books to be so relatable. And even though you probably are wondering, Danielle, maybe you looked at my podcast episodes and you're like, what am I doing on a podcast that talks about vagina therapy?
0: (laughs) Well, no, we've discussed it on our own podcast, but usually to sort of make fun of it. So I hope I'm not offending If
1: No, no, because my podcast is a little bit more spiritual. You know, we talk about spirituality and how to align your life with your cycle and all of that. And I remember you, the two of you talking about, oh, can we just like not, can we just not talk about our periods or like putting garlic in our vagina? I know, (laughs) I know. I,
0: I mean, maybe my vagina needs therapy, but it's not going to have that opportunity.
1: Yeah, there you go. Well, That particular episode was about, I interviewed a woman who is actually painting vaginas for other women, and apparently it's really healing and uh, a really amazing experience for them. You mean painting pictures of them or painting on them? No, no, painting pictures. So it's like a session where a woman comes, opens her legs, you know, sits down oh and another woman... <laughs> Well, there you go. I told you, this is a little bit more. Judy
0: Chicago did this years ago. I don't know if you heard of her as a feminist artist who did this thing called the Dinner Party. Did you ever hear of this? No, no. Okay, no. well, it's it goes back to the 80s when I was a very young woman. And she was a celebrated feminist icon because she created this dinner party, as it were. Like, it was a long table and the plates were all made to look like different types of vaginas. Wow. And uh, and they were crafted and like everything was crafted by women and tablecloths and woven by women. And then I interviewed her because I was then a reporter for a newspa- local newspaper and she was the meanest person i ever met. <laughs> she was, I said, at the end of it, I said, I thought you were supposed to be pro-woman, but you know, she ended up being very nasty. But anyway, she, I think, originated, just to be fair, in that sense, this sort of, feminist vagina art idea
1: of course we have vagina monologues and all that but you know we we don't talk about all of that I think it's more these women are literally taking more of the spiritual side into connecting to your vagina that holds a lot of tension emotion and you know so many women have a story about their first sex life or about what vagina means to them and all of that but Danielle we're not here to talk about that today I was just saying thank goodness thank goodness (laughs) <laughs> it would be a very,
0: very short podcast on my end. I go, can I please go now? I'm already getting uncomfortable because I'm that uptight.
1: Yeah, but, you know, why we're having you here? Because so on one side, I am, I guess I would call myself, uh, you know, I'm really into personal growth and a bit spiritual, a bit woohoo. But on the other side, there is this really practical down to earth side of me that when I listen to your podcast, it really gives me a view into today's gender politics arena. And also like, what the hell, what crazy things are happening in the world. In fact, I get all of my news related to like crazy feminists and all of that from your podcast.
0: <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs>
1: no, no, that's good. That's good because I don't follow news. I don't scroll social media to get into all of this. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, I can't stand it, you know. But then you and Christina take a really kind of humorous stand on it. And I get my news from you. So thank you.
0: Okay, good. Well, we'll try and be accurate and not fake.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and I love it. And and what I love also is that you and Christina, you don't like bash men. And my message is all about that as well. I love men. I think we together, we can create a better future for all of us. And when I read your book, as I told you before the interview, I really resonated with it. Uh, but of course, that book, What Our Mothers Didn't Tell Us, was written 20 years ago. And still to this day, like, you know, I'm a millennial. I'm like 30 years old. And I deeply resonated with, with a lot of the stuff that you've written. So I invite I did you today to actually talk about what has changed in the last 20 years now that you're a mother of actually, you know, grown up women pretty much. You have uh, three children and two of your daughters are 20, 28 and 25. No, it's son 25, 28
0: daughter, and then a 17 year old. So about to leave us next year, daughter. You're going to be a high school senior.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know, these are the women that you basically uh, were talking. created. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So before we begin, Danielle, I really want to ask you a couple of fun questions. I know you have a glass of wine. I do because it's not the morning here; it's the afternoon. Yeah, and uh, in, in tradition of uh, femme splainers, that's very good. I have my really strong coffee because I woke up, I think, like three times because the baby was crying. Oh. and and all of that. You know all about that, Danielle. Yeah, I've, I've yeah, I do. <laughs> Yeah, so let's bring some fun into it to start with. So, Danielle, what is your superpower? If You mean if I
0: had a superpower, what would it be? Mm, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> it's sort of funny. I think it's figuring out what other people should do and then telling them. I seem to have fulfill that role for many, many people in my life. I don't know why, but I sort of can, can see what people's inner talents and... I like mentoring, I like encouraging, and I like working with younger women because I think I can be helpful in that way. I guess that, that would be it.
1: So maybe we can benefit from your superpower today, Danielle, because a lot of the women and myself are confused.
0: I can't say I'm going to be right, but that's what <laughs> I,
1: that's what I seem to do. Okay, my next question is, if you had a tattoo, where and what would it be?
0: Well, I would never have a tattoo. I mean, I would like to say it's for Jewish reasons that you're not allowed to get tattooed if you're Jewish, but it's this is so not my generation. I, I could not have a tattoo.
1: Okay. What was uh, the best gift that you've ever received? Oh,
0: uh, very recently, my eldest daughter's health. She had a brain tumor and was operated on it this April, and she's fine. So I have to say that was the best gift I've ever had.
1: Oh, great. Yeah, I listened to that episode and I oh, was really following with what's going on. So happy to hear.
0: That and a, and a very difficult birth with my third child. And she almost died, but she was totally fine. So the, when you get older, I think these are the gifts you look upon are things that you feel very lucky about.
1: Yeah. And what is the best gift that you've ever given? Oh,
0: gosh. Is, is it for the giver to say? I don't know. I really don't know.
1: <laughs> well, how do you, like, well, what do you sense in, in your, I guess, yeah, it's, it's a question of like, how do you qualify the best gift that you've ever yeah. given?
0: I know, it seems a little braggy if I were to say, oh, well, the best gift. Well,
1: you can brag here. Oh, no, okay. I, don't, I, don't,
0: I don't like to brag. Um, <laughs> I, I think if, if, if I've given any good gifts, it is that sense of helping people through something. And if I manage to do that, if I manage to help someone do something, be better, do something better, then that would be, I think, the gift I would consider the best gift.
1: Beautiful. And uh, Danielle, what is the wildest thing you've ever done? I cannot
0: say that on a podcast. (laughs) Uh, maybe, Maybe give us a glimpse. Oh, man. An idea? (laughs) Despite my uptightness, it it occurs to me I've done many, many wild things. I guess by millennial standards, getting engaged at 24 would probably be a wild thing to have done. But the others can stay in the closet.
1: (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll take it. Good good enough for me. Who is one person dead or alive that you love to have dinner with? Oh, man.
0: There are so, so many. I think I would maybe most love to have dinner with edith wharton she's one of my favorite writers and she just has such a perspective on everything and on her time that i think that would be fascinating yeah i think they'd mostly be they'd mostly be writers i'm trying to think of great historical figures there would be too many but edith wharton is the first one who leaps to mind I, i suspect she'd be someone you could have a really good gossip with
1: Ah, yeah, that'd be lovely. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, more of a serious question, Danielle. What is your biggest fear? Fear itself. No. <laughs> uh, what is my
0: biggest fear? Leaving the Earth too early, not seeing how life plays out. Not dying per se, but it's maybe it's it's more like I want to see how my children's lives go. I want to see President Trump leave office.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh, my I think you're not the only one. Yeah.
0: My my late stepfather, who is for all purposes, my father, and he profound influence on me when he was dying. He said, um, there's no, nothing more left I want to do. There are only things I want to know. And I totally identified with that. You could see that.
1: Beautiful. All right, the last question of this segment is, on a scale of 1 to 10, Danielle, how excited are you about life right now and why?
0: Oh, I'm always a 10 on excitement about life. I'm always excited about life. I mean, you can get scared and nervous and depressed and go up and down, but I'm always, always excited about life. Mm,
1: And why is that?
0: What's the alternative? (laughs) You know, Like, why would you not be excited about life? I mean, I can understand if you're struggling with things and, and, you know, and everybody has their ups and downs, but I don't know, you have to, I think you have to approach life with a sense of wonder and excitement.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Beautiful. So, uh, Danielle, this is the time uh, to introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do. What if I don't
0: know who I am? What if I'm still
1: in therapy figuring that out? Well, we can we can explore that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my you, you mean my past lives is what you want to know about? No, um, I'm I'm a journalist. I'm a author. I'm a writer. I do this podcast, The Fem Splainers, with my best friend Christina Hoff Summers. And yeah, I'm a uh, fifty. How old am I? I'm fifty. <laughs> born in 1963. I'm 56. I'm 56. Mother of three, married for a long time. That's 28
1: years? 30 years. 30 years. Wow. Wow. 30 years. Congratulations. Thank you. I guess you would say that. Congratulations. Yeah. I I think these days,
0: it's it's certainly an achievement also to get through it and still, you know, really love your spouse. I mean, that's, I think that's the trick.
1: Absolutely. I remember, you know, I went diving a few months ago in Sydney. And, you know, we were talking to this girl who just at the reception and I said, oh, you know, I haven't died for like a year because I had my baby. And she looked at me. She's like, you're so young. And I'm like, "Um, I'm 30. Or I was 29, I think, at the time. And She says, oh, but I'm 32. And that's so young. And I'm looking at her. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, this (laughs) is a strange
0: time. I mean, people were putting it off. Uh, when I got married, I mean, I was considered a bit of a freak show uh, among my female friends, let alone to have a baby. So I got married, at, I engaged at 24, married at 25, had my first child at 28. And there was maybe only one other woman I knew who was doing that. And it was, yeah, it was considered very strange. And, and that actually formed the premise of my book that you mentioned, what our mothers didn't tell us, because that was, I think we were sort of that first generation, the second wave, whatever you want to call it of 1970s feminism. It was all about work, 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 career, 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 and familiar then as now, sort of general anti-male sentiment and minimum, don't rely on a man, don't connect your life to a man, don't connect your happiness to a man, don't connect your future to a man. And and then children were just like pushed down the future. Like you get your career before you even begin to think about children. So my book at the time was considered very controversial because I said, you know what? Work doesn't always make you happy. It's not the be all and end all. And what do most humans, men and women want? They want to be loved. They want family life. They want children. And I don't think that it's gotten better in any way. I think in some ways it's gotten worse, as you described that you're meeting now people in their 30s and they act like 12-year-olds. You're like, when are you going to accept adulthood?
1: Well, we're going to talk about that. I really want to get detail into a detailed discussion about that because I, <laughs> I watched your video from 2003 when you released your other book, Amanda. Amanda Bright at Home. That was my novel, yes, yes. And I remember you saying in that video that I have great hopes for the future. I'm, I'm very optimistic and very positive, and that everything's gonna, you know, yeah, um, like take its course how it's supposed to be. And then I'm like, I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking, Danielle, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> well, I do feel very vindicated for a while
0: because I think I watched sort of marriage come back, and that women, I guess, a little younger than me. I mean, you also, you saw the carnage on the road ahead that you saw this whole idea that you worked alongside maybe a woman in her 40s or 50s who had put everything into her career. And you would say, you know, I don't know that I want that life. I mean, I want to be successful, but I don't know that I want to be childless and without a companion. And that was sort of what the example had been to me, I was fortunate to grow up with a mom who worked. I mean, she got divorced, she got remarried, she got remarried very happily. She was a journalist as well. And she somehow, I, she just has this amazing attitude where she's very practical, very sensible. Uh, and she just is like, um, you know, having children is great you know, working is great. Oh my God, you don't want to sit home. But she she somehow managed before we even were talking about these things to have it all, as it were. She kind of balanced everything, but she did so, I think, with this healthy sense of appreciation of what is important in life. And when we were very little, she took time off from her work. She quit her job as a reporter for like five years, depended on my father, her first husband, And they were very, it was very, very modest. The loss of the income was felt, but it was something neither of them questioned because she loved being a mother of, you know, she wanted to be with her children and that's not a weird thing to wanna do. And then as we got older and into school, she merged back into the workforce and because she had done it, had us at such a young age, she could do so, she was still a very young woman she's the age of that woman you just cited like she's probably like 32 and she had her kids she was ready to go back to work we were in school and that really influenced me in in my book that what our mothers didn't tell us when i started looking at successful women through history you know and including the past 20 30 years that the women who did seem to have it all had had their children younger rather than later they had married younger rather than later it's i realize it's easier said than done especially today but they had sort of gotten it out of the way i don't like to put it that way but they had sort of you know this your biology whatever we might our heads might tell us your biology tells you the best time to have a baby as a woman is in your 20s we don't have the luxury that men have where they can keep procreating you know forever And it's also when you have, as I discovered, the most energy, the most flexibility, and the greatest ability to pursue your dreams and your career, if that's what you're pursuing at a still very relatively young age. So I feel very lucky because this I didn't plan this, but once I did it, I saw the benefit of it and... I am a bit of that evangelical type, like helping other people or wanting to help other people, where once I sort of thought about it, I was like, okay, I got to write a book about this and tell everybody about it, because I think we're getting the wrong message. So that's what I did.
1: Yeah, okay. Okay, great. Um, I want to really talk about where we are today and to all the women listening, how do we all figure this out? Because I feel like the landscape has changed a little bit, Um, of course, with everything that happened in the last 20 years. But in relation to success, Danielle, I I wanted to ask you two questions that I ask all women on the show. Number one is, do you find yourself successful and why? And number two is, what is femininity for you?
0: I always find myself a work in progress. So I think, have been successful at some things and less successful at others. It's sort of don't really know till the end of your life whether you you did what you thought you would do or maybe the thing that you thought you would do isn't the thing you should have done. But in terms of femininity, I mean, I know we're not allowed anymore to say there's differences between men and women.
1: You're allowed to say that on this podcast, and I talk about it a lot. <laughs> uh, no, it's insane.
0: It's just an insane emperors has no clothes thing. The fact that there are differences are not weaknesses, they're strengths. And I never understood why feminists for all their celebration of women, going back again 20 years, always posited the male model of career and sexual drive as the model women like whatever women like we if we had ro- more romantic longings or were more genetically empathetic like why those were bad weak things and we had to be more like men and now it's changed and you know men maleness is like toxic masculinity and everything that is female is good and i think whether you believe in god or spirituality but there is a great yin yang in masculinity and femininity when it works and it can where the sexes really balance each other in a beautiful way i wouldn't want my husband to be more effeminate and i don't think he would want me to be more masculine but we each have our strengths in our different sexes and it's worked so long as we don't get insecure about them or like it never bothered me that I took on the biggest burden, if you want to call it a burden. It's not really, I mean, I think we make too much fuss about what, how burdensome children are. And then you don't get to, as I've come out the other end and you, you have these fabulous close friends in your children, you know, like you're. you're everybody's always focused on the one to five and, and, and like, oh my God, it's like they've gone to Vietnam or something and it's so terrible and we're never getting out of this and yeah, it's okay, it'll pass. But no, I mean, this was one of the revelations I wrote about my book, like, until I had a baby, I was identical to my husband in the sense that we had aspirations. He's a very modern person. He's very egalitarian. He has great respect for women. And he had great respect for my aspirations and my career. And then I had a baby. And suddenly, it wasn't since we've already talked about it. vaginas, I, I can be more graphic on the show. It's like his chest was not exploding with milk every four yeah. hours, you know, and leaking and leaking. You're like, what <laughs> the hell? How do you even know that baby? What is their sonar or whatever? Like I, I, my body. And I realized this whole thing about you're not a creature of your biology. You become a mother. You are, captive of your biology like we, whether you like it or not and the baby knows it and and but it's also a profound wonderful thing so the fact that you know i wasn't going to say well the baby should have a bottle so we could have equal time feeding it i, I mean you know this and you don't even feel that way you just feel this is what i'm gonna do and my husband was always like super supportive and we didn't have a lot of spare cash and yet he said you know he made having a few hours of help a day a priority for me so I could write. And he didn't, I said, no, you know, we can't really afford this. He goes, I don't care. He said, we're going to afford it. We're going to make it work because even if, and he said, you don't have to write, you could go out and just have a coffee, and read the news, but you need to preserve Your identity as yourself. And that's kind of amazing. And I was always maybe that was maybe also one of the greatest gifts I had is I had a husband who understood that and also was very protective of our marriage, like didn't let us become slaves to the children as it were.
1: Yeah, I'd like to interrupt you here for a second. And, you know, everything that you're talking about is I, I deeply relate to that as, as a new mother. You know, my baby is nine months old. And when I got pregnant, and I wrote about this, I wrote articles about, you know, why 50-50 doesn't work and it's not going to make you happy. I mean, maybe it works, but your relationship is not going to thrive. And that is so apparent when you get pregnant, because when I got pregnant, and I think I read this in many books, you can throw your feminism slogans out of the window, because not only you can't work, but you can't walk. And you and he's not throwing
0: up his breakfast, you know, every morning.
1: Yeah. And it's like just my first trimester was was just devastating and crazy. And I didn't know who I was. And there is this whole identity crisis where I'm as a mother. And then, you know, once you give birth, like... And... Yeah. Hormones. Hello. <laughs> well, that's like like you suddenly... Realize I threw a shoe at my
0: husband's head in the, <laughs> the recovery room. Because I was insane. I mean, like, you you know, you suddenly realize, yeah, you're not – the hormones really affect you. (laughs) And that whole – and your body, like, you've given birth and then your body's like, okay, we're done with you. And the hormones shut down. And I can see why women get depressed because, yeah, you it is a – you are complete – you realize profoundly how different you are.
1: Yeah, and and I also got connected to that primal of raw – Anim- like animal or a mammal that I am of a woman. Never never in my life I have felt so connected to my body that, you know, these breasts that I look at as sexual objects all my life has now become <laughs> like a source of food for my baby and they were like engorged and I still wear to this day breast beds like I'm wearing right now breast beds because my breasts are leaking when she's feeding on one side or the other and then like it's just such a profound change and, and this is where I understood this whole, th- everything came together For me I I guess just that's why It related to everything you wrote about in your book And you know and I also agree with You that today you know when I had my baby I wrote about this it's like I never wanted to have children and, and like get married and whatever. You know, I was this fierce, independent, strong woman, ambitious. I was raised like a boy by my father. My mother died when, when I was really young. And I never had this. I was like, oh yeah, whatever. Whenever it happens, it happens. And I feel so many women relate to it. And, and, and then they question whether they want to have children or not. You know, this innate kind of I didn't see women with ba I, I didn't hear stories about how great motherhood is and how you can have it all like for me children as you said were kind of a burden and a nuisance like this tantrum throwing little you know my father used to call children um in russian there is a word which means the one who eats at your back and, and that's what i grew up <laughs> like with. a zombie like yeah exactly that just sits there and just eats on your spine that's exactly what you know so but so when i came to it and as you describe it in your book and in your interviews it hit me like a truck and i also just like you danielle was kind of woken up to this like wait wait a second why didn't i learn about this why women don't talk about so it's either these i saw these women who are completely in love with their babies which to me for some reason it felt like inferior like i don't want to be that woman who's totally in love with her baby um and, and so i didn't have any role models i like women don't talk about this and so that's why, where I, I when I found your book and when I found your podcast, and Christina, I was like, oh my god, there are women out there who, first of all, are older than me, married longer than me, have more children than me, who I can look up to and learn from. Because I don't think you can really do it all, but you can try. Maybe not at the same time. I think that's what you write about, and so. From this discussion, Danielle, what has so twenty years ago? I don't know. It feels to me like things are the same, but a lot more accelerated somehow, or the noise or the volume on. I think I think that's right. Um,
0: I, I wanted. I approached my publisher on the tenth anniversary and said, "Hey, I'd like to." I mean, that book, as you know, was written before the internet yeah <laughs> so, yeah for like online dating all my references are like to magazines and things but I'm I'm pleased because I, I still get I think it's taught now at colleges or at least chapters of it because I think there's very little out there sort of making the case for these things and I approached my publisher and I said like I'd like to do a new forward and they're like no books are dead You know, like, okay kindle books are not dead I know I know they're not they're not but it was sort of like a not a lot of interest but maybe I may force the issue as you say it's coming up to the 20th anniversary and I should because I think that as you say that if, there seems to be an escalation I mean I was around the last round of men are toxic women are fragile you know was Andrea Dworkin in the 90s. And I don't know if you've heard of her or remember her, but she, there was this kind of campus-wide fear of, you know, fear of men, their strengths, men only wanted one thing and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, So in that sense, I mean, this is the sort of, upside of getting older is okay i've i've seen this one before it's always different but i've experienced this before what i think is a little disturbing is how online internet and social media has affected your generation and the younger generation that i'm reading a book actually right now by candice bushnell you know who was created sex in the city and she's writing about now being like, she just turned 60. um, And she was talking to a group of young girls, like my youngest daughter's age, 16, 17, very worldly New York girls. And they said, what was it like to date before the internet? And Candace says, like, she also had a pretty glamorous twenties and thirties. She She's sort of like, do I tell them about the private helicopter rides or the going to Paris? Or, but no, 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 I'll just I'll just tell them, well, you know, you'd meet someone like at a party or somewhere and then you would exchange numbers and then he would phone you and then you'd talk a couple times on the phone and then you'd arrange to have lunch or dinner or whatever and then by the time you met, you felt you talked a bit and then, you know, you'd have dinner, you might go for a walk in the park and the girls were listening going, that is the most romantic thing I've ever heard. <laughs> these girls were on Tinder. And and I think that, you know, that there's this, there is, I worry, I mean, there's nothing we can do about it. We have to adapt because it's what you do, and it'll I have to have faith it will work itself out. But there is this kind of dehumanizing swipe left on humanity that is very, I don't know, dehumanizing expectation for sex as well expectation for like i i was astounded i've had this explained to me many times by young women that it is less intimate to have sex with someone than it is to have a coffee and that's been explained to me and i'm just gobsmacked and i say come on that like sex is intimacy sex is the most intimate thing you can have like that's you're putting your not just your body like you can't be disconnect, so disconnected from your body that you don't connect it to intimacy. And it should be the summit of intimacy, not the entry point to intimacy.
1: Yeah. And Danielle, let me interrupt you here for a second, because this was another pretty revelatory thing uh, or an idea in your book that I haven't, you know, I've, I've kind of, again, sensed it, but you beautifully put it into words. I haven't thought about this before, because you, now that we're on the sex discussion, you talk about the sex revolution and how, you know, women have become, you know, my body, my choices, and left and right, you could have sex. I mean, I grew up with an idea that, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am I could do whatever I want, and as many partners I want and everything. But you've put it into words where actually what that has done is diminished men's commitment and deference, as, as you call it. And they, they don't have to work that hard anymore. And it's actually the sexual revolution of women is actually a win-win for men. It's not a win-win. <laughs> it's a win for men because they don't have to work hard and they're getting sex and then they don't have to marry you. And I was like, sex and no yeah. commitment two yeah. thumbs up yeah. awesome man yeah hell yeah <laughs> yeah and so that's true today more
0: than ever well but now you're a sexist i've discovered that if you say well a woman wants commitment more than a man or a woman experiences sex differently or she aspires for relationships where men are you know especially in the younger men are happy to treat women as objects to be relieved upon and, and you're not allowed to say it, but it, let's face it. it and, and those are the things, that, and I'm glad you relate to the book. I'm very pleased and, and honored that you do, because it means that there are truths that are persist. Like classical. and <laughs> They
1: never go away. You know, <laughs> I
0: mean, we all have to rediscover in our own way. And so and, and it's also talking about, like, if women view men as the enemy and men view women as potentially the enemy, where does that get us like that's no good for anybody you know and I and we see that I think that is something that's maybe even new that I see now that didn't exist when I was writing the book that most of the anti-male rhetoric came from writers and the movement but it did not come from women themselves a lot of women didn't want to identify as feminists because they just saw it as man-hating you know And and they would say that, like, why don't you call yourself a feminist? Well, I like men, you know, but now I I see such mistrust between the sexes. Honestly, that is a terrible thing. And we put so much weight on the terrible things that can happen between men and women. And then obviously terrible things do happen. But it's like as if you read only the Daily Mail and you assume that every day some husband was taking a, gun to his family and blowing them all, you know, killing them all. Or like like, you know, it's like a it's sort of a sensationalistic headline way of looking at the world rather than understanding that most men are like most women, they're decent, want to do the right thing, want to find love, wanna have a good relationship, wanna have a family, want companionship. And if you're treating each other like cartoons, exaggerated stereotypes, then already you're not going to be able to find that what you want in your own life.
1: Hello, GirlSkill listeners. So this is the point in our conversation with Danielle where internet has cut off and we have unfortunately stopped the recording for maybe about 10 minutes or so. And so I wanted to jump in and quickly tell you about what we talked about, because we can't get the recording, obviously. But it was a really, really important point that we talked about. And I would love for you to hear Danielle say it, but I'm basically going to paraphrase it. We talked about how now, in the view of the fact that you know Danielle has three children, two daughters and a son. And how are her children growing up? And what is she teaching them? And how does she see them as young women now? And you know, young men. And so she mentioned that none of her children are married, but she hopes that and she knows for sure that they've at least saw a model of marriage that works, where you know it's it's a model where marriage and family life, which it, which is what counts the most, and. There are two most important things that you mentioned, which I find fascinating, especially today. Like if we were to say this is like, oh my god, so controversial. The first one is that you have to be serious about dating. I talked a little bit about dating. You have to be serious about your dating life, just the same way that you're serious about your career, because as you you take yourself seriously and as a perspective you know, young, beautiful woman who is looking for a relationship, a serious relationship, a partner, a spouse, men are going to treat you the same. And I talk about this in my webinars and, you know, when I coach women about this as well, that when you know your worth as a woman and what you want from a partner, men change around you. So if, you know, in, in the view of what we talked about, sex and sexual revolution, how easy it is for men now to, to get women and, and not commit. And if we Behave like this, then that's what they expect. And so, a woman of value and a woman of worth—this is these are my words, by the way, not Danielle's—will take herself seriously and her love life seriously. And so that's what her point was. And then the other thing that she said, which I found transformational, she said, choosing your spouse is not one of the most important decisions. It is the most important decision of your life. It's true for men as well because this is the person that you will build your life with and it it can't be taken lightly. And and because you have, you know, the same aspirations and Danielle, you know, we talked about, well, is it the same for men? Absolutely. Because if if he's with a woman who doesn't support him, whose family doesn't like her or who looks a different way, well, then it's not going to work for anyone. So, that to me was transformational and then thus we talk about men masculine men how to choose a partner how to work on yourself first to build that confidence and then you know go forward to meet these great amazing men all right uh we'll jump back into our conversation with danielle uh we're going to talk about femmes plainer All right. Well, Danielle, we have just a few minutes left. And of course, we could continue forever. But I know there's dinner on your side. And I really appreciate your time. And And I still do make dinner. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Which I like to
0: do. I wrote a cookbook. So it's fair. (laughs) Yeah,
1: you did write a cookbook. Yeah, I saw that. That's awesome. So tell us real quick about FemSplainers. And I I told you before that I think my audience, uh, I highly recommend, I mean, it's one of my favorite podcasts and I always am uplifted by your conversations. I love that they're not, you know, anti-male and you talk about the current affairs and it's fun and you have drinks and you bring amazing, amazing women who are part of your tribe of FemSplainers who kind of view life and the world and feminism through uh, what We've kind of just talked about. And, you know, there's Tina Brown and there's a lot of women who I admire. So tell us I don't even know what's my question here. I think you actually summed it up really, really well. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, but I think Christina and I, the
0: backstory, the buddy story is that she and I, 20 years ago, when I was writing my book, she had just come out with this book called Who Stole Feminism. And mm-hmm. it was a great book. And I was just like, oh my God, this is so great. And then we found ourselves working together. At the same organization. And we just immediately bonded. I mean, Christina's enormous fun and also just very serious academic. And we both were having the same reaction to things. And, you know, I, I wrote about it for 10 years. And then I sort of started to drift away from writing about women, I did other things. Christina stayed on it. Christina is a very sought after speaker on campuses. She's been sort of champion, continued to champion these issues. And she would say to me at times, she'd go, you should come back. We could go together. We could do this together. I hate going alone to these campuses. (laughs) It's so awful. I get yelled at and it'd be fun if you were there. And I'm like, nope, nope, not signing up for this. I'm done. Sick of this, not doing it. And then Me Too happened And suddenly, so many new issues were emerging that I found fascinating. And I said, Okay, Christina, you know how you said, like, we should be on the road together. Let's do this as a podcast. And so that's how it was started. And so I sort of put my jumped back into the swimming pool with Christina and
1: it's fun. Yeah. And I'm glad you did, because as I said, for me, a woman who like, it's really when I discovered Christina and you and your podcast and, you know, it is feminine and it is along the lines of everything I believe in. And also, you know, I work with women as well. And I just had such a relief that there, as I, as I told you, you know, you are a bit older than I, uh, you've, you've been in marriages for a long time, you have more children. So it's really gave me like I'm part of the tribe, that I'm not alone. And it's really hard to be a woman out there who is anti or, you know, a very, like they call me controversial. And how can you say this and whatever. But deep down inside, I know that there's so many women out there who are on the same page as us. They just maybe are afraid to voice it out. And I get these messages from women. They're like, Anna, thanks for writing about this. I feel the same. so I, I think that probably they're in the majority. It's
0: so true. And I would go to when my book was first published and I ended, I I would go to campuses and I'd talk to her room and the young women, and, and these were all, these were, you know, college campuses. They're very impressive young women. And they were transfixed by the message. And after, and the teacher or the professor would often get really annoyed with me and start pelting questions at me. And then, you know, you just stood there and took it and answered them. But But then afterward, they would cluster around me. And exactly that reaction is like, Nobody ever talks to us about this. Nobody, it's such a serious thing. And I mean, look, I'm sure we're coming to a time that, you know, women won't get pregnant. You know, all our babies will be raised in science labs. And maybe then uh, there won't be, you know, much difference between men and women in that sense. <laughs> but Hopefully not. <laughs> that sort of scares me. But, but yeah, I mean, your child, until you have a child, it all just looks like work and then you have a child and you think I was made to do this like everything and and by the way I say that for men too it makes men men to become fathers if that makes sense and it makes you a woman to become a mother that you just it gets you out of yourself and in a healthy way that to be not just the connection and satisfaction you have, because often that gets, as you know, at this stage of life with a baby, eh, not a lot of, you know, moments where I feel like I'm not exhausted, but then, then they get a little older and you just feel, and even when they're young, just that magical connection, connection to something bigger than yourself, something that you no longer, I found it liberating not to have to think about myself anymore. Like, (laughs) I got bored, worried about my problems. Suddenly I could, was brought out of myself and I could, that selflessness that having children teaches you um, that that is a gift. That is a gift that is children give you many gifts back. And the first one teaches you in many ways how to be a mother or father, but, but you get so much back and you can't see it. It's all invisible to the, patrons in the restaurant are just watching you, you know, struggle to feed a baby in a high chair or on a plane where they just roll their eyes.
1: Yeah. Well, so we're going to end with this because um, I know we, you know, you you have to go. And um, I, again, relate to this because I wrote in the post, like the, the bigger, to me, it's like more of a, also a spiritual side of parenthood. I didn't realize it, but it's like you know, watching me and my husband transform and take this ne- almost as a next step into becoming human and and understanding what it mean, what humanity means, and expanding my worldview that I don't think about myself anymore. And you know, I think like, what are my values and what do I want to teach her? Like, who is she going to be and and what does it mean for her? And you know, and also watching a human develop is a is a fascinating thing that I have never been exposed to. You know, going mm-hmm. from saying. Nothing or being completely like an alien. I remember her two mm-hmm. months and then transforming into this human who understands what I'm saying and rolling and then crawling and it's it's been right. fascinating just from like a biological, you know, like developmental, but also emotions. And I've never felt this before. And I see my husband. I'm jealous of my husband how he feels towards her. Times I'm like, yeah. are you do you love her more than like what's going on? <laughs> you know, it's we. It's bizarre. It's strange. But at the same time it's everything <laughs> you know it's deeply transformative yeah and to come out coming at the other end of it i can
0: tell you that you have these amazing people in your life i mean the stages of parental liberation my husband and i used to joke said the first stage is you know get your little sister some juice the next stage is like take your little sister to the bathroom you know like you go through you go through these sort of periods of liberation. And then it's like they're 14 and they're like, mom, that's not how you do that on your computer. Let me show you. And then there are these amazing, I constantly ask my children advice. I suddenly realize I am surrounded by these three really interesting, wise, funny, completely different characters. And I think if you just tell people who don't have children, haven't had children, and all they can see is the downside is like, look to your own life, look at your relationship with your mother, your father, your family. How important is that to you? You know, and this is what you're recreating. I mean, it's, you know, it's the most important thing you can do, really. And then how you make it work is up to you. And how you fit in your aspirations is is also going to be up to you. But a hundred different ways to do it, but it's, you have to think of the end game. And as you say, it just opens, it makes you a better citizen. It makes you more concerned about where the world is going. It hits you positively on so many levels, but it's hard to explain that when all someone can see is, or all sometimes you can feel. (laughs) It's like, oh my God, if I don't get a nap, I'm going to die, you know? All
1: right, yeah. All right, well, Danielle, thank you so much. We're going to link to uh, your book, uh, your books, uh, because I really want to read the other novel uh, about Amanda Bright at home, because I think I'm going to relate to that a lot as well. I think
0: you're going to identify with it right now. This is a good moment to read it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. (laughs) And then we're going to link to FemSplainers. And um, Christina's coming, I think, on the podcast in two weeks. Yes, uh, So it's going to be a fun conversation. I'm supporting your podcast as a patreon because i really believe in what you're doing i so appreciate it thank you and good luck with everything and keep doing what you're doing and keep us posted on your little baby yes we will okay thanks so much (laughs) take care okay bye-bye all right girlfriend before i tell you how you can share this episode and charge your karmic energy and where to find all the show notes and links to what my guest has just mentioned I really wanted to extend a personal invitation to you. If you have listened to this episode until the end and you are here with me today, and if you have been listening to episodes of Girl Skill, I know that you have a special connection to me and to the message that I'm bringing into the world about femininity and womanhood and feminine embodiment. And if you do, I have a very personal invitation for you. You know, I know you're here because you crave more. You crave more joy, more radiance and more freedom. Therefore, you're listening to this podcast to really find what is that feminine path? You're a woman who wants to stand tall on her feet to go for what you want and create a life that would make you wake up with excitement every day. But you're not there yet. You're still looking for an answer, a doorway and a path. And I've been there and I know how it feels. That voice in your head that is doubting and questioning. What if I fail? What if it doesn't work? What if he's not the one? That crazy loop, that same ceiling you keep hitting every time, whether it's a pattern of unworthy men, poor decisions, anxiety, or not feeling good enough. Well, the good news is that there is a way out, and I want to show it to you. It's actually a way in into a different kind of path, a different kind of journey, a feminine, powerful path that those women who live in alignment with their feelings and desire have discovered and will never go back to the old ways. The deep knowing and truth that each one of us has, but most of us don't know how to access. That reservoir of infinite wisdom, clarity, and confidence. That flow, ease, and lightness. Would you like to experience that? If yes, I've just opened up my calendar for a few extra one-on-one free discovery sessions this week, and I'd love to speak to you in person. If you've been reading my post, as I mentioned, listening to this podcast and have an urge to reach out and explore the possibility of coaching with me, this is your chance. So you could apply for your discovery call at girlskill.com apply, girlskill.com A-P-P-L-Y. What we're going to do on this call is actually, and it's free, you know, what we're going to talk to you about is your biggest challenge and what's stopping you from what you want. I'll share some insights with you from my perspective. And if you're open to it and I feel like you're a good fit, I'll tell you more about how we can work together. And before you go, well, before you listen to the show notes and links, I want to tell you that who is this for? This is for women who are in transition and looking for a different way to connect to yourself and your femininity on a deeper level. This is for women who feel that there is something missing despite the fact that they have a perfect life and the perfect perceived success. Who want to attract the right partner or enrich your current relationship with a man and create a family. Who are tired of doing it all and proving everything to everyone. And who are serious about their self-development and taking their life to the next level of pleasure, magnetism in a different way of living as a woman, but very importantly, who are ready to invest in themselves financially and who want personalized help and guidance from me. You know, I think that life is too short to live in a female body and life is too short to live this way where we're tired, confused. We don't know what's stopping us. So if this is calling for you, you feel a mm, body yes. If I would be you and you fit in any of this description, I'd jump on call, sapgirlskill.com slash apply. And I hope to see you on the call. And I'm really here to help women and guide them through this dark, confusing terrain of femininity woman who wouldn't have to live in a world where you just let go and surrender and let things come to you, where you just stop pushing so hard and proving everything to everyone. That's not the way how it's supposed to work. So girlskill.com slash apply. And I'm curious, will this be you? all right Girl skill listeners i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as i did and i hope you can read danielle's book and follow the fems planers and i'm a patreon of the of, of theirs which means i basically have a monthly subscription where i support financially their podcast and the work they're doing which i find so important and relevant as i see them as my role models and our conversation with christina Hot summers i'm sure is going to be you know at the same level of interest and passion so uh you- if you enjoyed, charge your karmic energy, share this podcast with a girlfriend who really needs to hear it. You can go to girlskill.com slash one, two, three. You'll find all the links to Danielle's books and to FemSplainers and all of that at this link, girlskill.com slash one, two, three or just share it straight uh, from your podcasting app. And again, I will appreciate a rating and a review to the podcast. If you like it, if you're listening to it, you're enjoying it. I would really, really love to read it. And I read all of them and I read them on the podcast as well. All right, girlfriend, uh, keep running with wolves and I'll see you next week with another episode of Girl Skill. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Girl Skill. Skill. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher to never miss episode and never forget that your version of success is uniquely yours to live and experience until next time let's continue redefining female success together girlskill.com female success redefined